Alright, on to our next podcast. World War One. Alright, so originally the World War One was obviously called the Great War because we thought we weren't gonna have to do this again. So any kind of memorabilia from that time period will actually say uh the Great War, not World War One. I. I digress. Alright, so the Great War in Europe. Let's start with the beginnings. So in June of 1914, there's going to be a Serbian nationalist, uh, Princip, that's P-R-I-N-C-I-P-E. He's going to assassinate the Austrian heir, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, along with his uh, wife in Sarajevo. Now, this is an Austrian-Hungary uh, province, or an Austro-Hungarian province. Uh, Austria had issued a warning to Serbia to let... The Austrian investigators examined the evidence, so if Serbia did not agree, then war would ensue from that. Serbia was backed by Russia, who began who began mobilizing for war, just in case things, you know, went crazy. Uh, Austria was backed by Germany and eventually declared war on Serbia. Uh, Germany, Germany declared war on Russia and France in early August, and then on August 1st, Germany launched a massive invasion of France through Belgium. Now, this is the Schleifen Plan. Now, its objective was to knock France out of the way early so Germany could concentrate all of its forces on Russia. Britain, seeing its coastline was jeopardized by the invasion of Belgium, are going to ally with France and then are going to declare war on Germany on August 4th of 1914. Uh, a year later, Britain, France, and Russia are all going to lure Italy to their side and then four years of bloody trench warfare is going to dominate the, the Western Front. Well, obviously, there's going to be this horrific mobile fighting that's going to occur in the Eastern Front. Now, by war's end, there's going to be nearly 10 million soldiers who would die, 20 million civilians, and most of those will be Russian. The Central Powers, this is going to be Germany, Austria, Hungary, and later the Ottoman Empire. They're also known as the Triple Alliance. And then the Allies are France, Britain, and Russia. Later, you'll get Japan, Italy, and the United States will be called in as well. And these are initially called the Triple Entente. Now, U.S. neutrality is going to be tested during the first three years of the war. Woodrow Wilson, our president, called for neutrality in both thought and deed. Uh, both sides in, in Europe are going to try to gain the United States support. Uh, Britain is going to enjoy like the close cultural, linguistic, and economic ties with the U.S. And so Britain is going to use pop- propaganda in the U.S. to demonize Germany. Germany and Austria-Hungary is going to count on the natural sympathies of the German-Americans in the U.S. So, Americans with at least one foreign-born parent with blood ties to the Central Powers numbered about 11 million in 1914. Now, some openly supported Germany, but most were grateful to be away from the European war altogether. I mean, the Irish-Americans, German-Americans, and Jews did not favor the Allies. Most Americans were anti-German from the onset of the war. Uh, You had Kaiser Wilhelm. The second, who was kind of a a symbol of this arrogant aristocracy, while Germany was seen as ruthless for its invasion of what was neutral Belgium. Germany and Austria agents heard the image of the central powers while they resonated to uh, using violence in the U.S. factories and ports. But still, most Americans remained eager to stay out of the war. They looked at it as a European war and not anything to do with us. 
Now, the economic ties to Europe. Initially, the war had a disastrous impact on the U.S. economy. Germany, France, Britain, and Austria are going to go off the gold standard, and they want to exchange their American securities for U.S. gold. So there's going to be a drain on the gold that will threaten to sink the stock market and the banking system worldwide. Now, the U.S. is going to plunge into a sharp recession, and the sharp market stock market did not open again until, like, November of that year. <clears throat> the U.S. economy is going to receive a boost via... British and French uh, war orders by the spring of 1915. So there's going to be a trade with the Allies that will reach about $2.4 billion. J.P. Morgan and some other bankers are going to lend the Allies over $3 billion during the period of U.S. neutrality. Neutrality would be in, you know, quotations. Uh, the Central Powers are going to protest the trade between the U.S. and the Allies, but this trade is not going to violate international neutrality laws. Germany was technically free to trade with the U.S., but was prevented by British naval, a uh, British naval blockade across the North Sea. So there's going to be a loss of trade with the Central Powers, and it's going to total about $169 million. So Britain is going to begin forcing the American vessels into British ports, which, despite the you know our protests, is going to prove effective in virtually ending any U.S.-German trade. Now, in response, Germany is going to announce a submarine war, uh, war area around the British Isles. The submarine was basically a new war technology that didn't really fit into those old uh, international laws. Now, granted, the sub was used way back in the Civil War, but not to this extent. Now, the old rule of a warship stopping and boarding a merchant ship no longer applied as a surfacing sub could be rammed or sunk. Germany said that they would not try to sink what they considered to be neutral shipping, but warned that mistakes could probably occur. Uh, Wilson warned Germany that it would, have, it would be held to strict accountability for any attack on U.S. vessels or U.S. citizens. Now, he's going to seek to maintain a profitable new, uh, neutral trading route while hoping that no shipping incident would force his hand to go to war. Now, let's get into submarine warfare itself. Now, in the first months of 1915, the German U-boats, now that's their subs, are going to sink about 90 ships in that war zone. The Lusitania, which was a British passenger liner, was sunk off the coast of Ireland May 7th of 1915. Uh... Almost 1,200 died. This is going to include about 128 Americans. And the Lusitania carried about 4,200 cases of small arms ammunition. And this is a fact that the German government is going to use for sinking said ship. Uh, Germany is going to refuse to apologize, even though like, Wilson's like, hey, you need to. And the significance of this is that the U.S. public opinion is going to start to turn against Germany and kind of start moving the U.S. to the road to entry into this war. Now, in response, Wilson didn't want war. Uh, he warned Germany again. There would be, you know, a measured approach against further aggression against U.S. interests. Now, Secretary, Secretary of State William Jennings uh, Bryan, he was a pacifist. He's going to resign rather than get involved in this diplomacy that might lead to war. He was very angry that Wilson did not order Americans to stay off these, uh, what could, would be considered belligerent ships. Now, Wilson said that there is such a, a thing as a man being too proud to fight. There were warmongers like Teddy Roosevelt who were going to really criticize Wilson, uh, while other uh, there's going to be other British liners like the SS uh, Arabic. This is going to be sunk in August. There's going to be the loss of two Americans, and then Germany is reluctantly going to agree not to sink any unarmed and unresisting passenger ships without warning. And this seemed to signal some success in 
Williams, or Williams, Wilson's measured approach. And we have the Sussex Ultimatum, March 1916. Germany is going to torpedo a French passenger steamer called the Sussex. The ship was damaged, but it wasn't sunk, and the 80 casualties included four Americans. Wilson told Germany that unless she stopped sinking merchant ships without warning, that he would have to break diplomatic relations, and this is, would be a prelude to war. Uh, Germany's response was that they reluctantly agreed not to sink passenger and merchant ships without warning, but the U.S. had to persuade the Allies to modify what Germany saw as an illegal blockade. So, it's like we say we're going to be neutral, but we're really starting to get into what's going on at this point. Uh, Wilson's diplomatic victory was very precarious, as Germany could not renounce its agreement any, or could renounce its agreement at any time if the blockade continued to inflict damage on Germany. So it's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Subjective. There we go. That's the word I needed. Sorry. So it would be very subjective to Germany's whims. Uh, Wilson. Wilson kind of got himself into a, a, a bond with that one. Him and the Allies. Anyway. All right. Taxes are going to increase to prepare for war. So you have the Revenue Acts of 1916 and 1917. This is going to increase taxes on high incomes. So... Pre-war revenues were about 75% from what was considered to be excise tax and tariffs. And then when we get into war and the post-war revenues are going to be from income, estate, and excess profits, profits taxes. All right, the election of 1916. <clears throat> the Republicans are going to nominate Charles Evan Hughes. He was an ex-progressive governor of New York and currently a Supreme Court justice. The Bull Moose progressives are going to re-nominate Teddy but hey, he had no desire to, again, split the Republican vote. He hated Wilson. Anyway, uh, Tay's refusal to run effectively into the Progressive Party and the Progressive Wing of the Republican Party then supported Hughes. So, he, basically, he just wanted Wilson out. Uh, the old guard still is going to dominate this party and the Republican platform. It, it's going to condemn the lower tariff and the assaults on the trust and Wilson's uh, vacillation in dealing with Mexico and Germany. Uh, Woodrow Wilson is going to be renominated by the Democratic Party. And his slogan was to keep us out of war. Although Wilson never really used this phrase, realizing that the U.S. isolation probably would not, you know, hold out. The Democratic orators warned that electing Hughes meant getting the U.S. involved in World War I. So the whole platform is, is war. All right, now the results. Uh, Wilson defeated Hughes 277 to 254, so, you know, it was decently close in the electoral vote. Uh, Midwesterners and Westerners are going to vote overwhelmingly for Wilson based on his progressive reforms and his anti-war policies. Wilson also gained strong labor support from the working class and from ex-bull moosers whose, uh, whose Republicans failed to get back after Teddy Roosevelt refused to run. Now, the Peace Without Victory speech in January of 1917 was where Wilson declared only a negotiated peace without victory would prove durable. Uh, U.S. entry. In January of 1917, Germany announced a policy of unrestricted submarine warfare. So, all the ships would be sunk, including American ships. Didn't care. Germany used its Sussex Pledge 
to justify its policy as the U.S. had not persuaded the Allies to stop the illegal blockade. See, I told you it was subjective. Germany believed that the U.S. would enter the war too late. So they're like, if we hurry up and get this done, it won't matter if they come in. So they're in a hurry now. Wilson is going to break diplomatic relations with Germany, but he's going to refuse to move toward war unless Germany attacked U.S. lives and property. So he's going to ask Congress for authority to arm U.S. merchant ships, and Midwestern senators are going to block this measure. Remember, Midwestern senators are the reason that he got voted, or Midwesterners are the reason that Wilson got voted in, and they wanted this um, neutrality. And this is going to continue to, you know, illustrate this isolationist sentiment that was in the U.S. Wilson is going to, uh, he held the Zimmerman note for a week, and he's now going to use it to get congressional approval to our merchant ships. Now, that Zimmerman note itself, that was that telegram. This is the German telegram that went to Mexico. It's going to be intercepted by the British, and it will be published in the U.S. on March 1st of 1917. So basically, the German Foreign Secretary, Zimmerman, hence the Zimmerman note, is going to secretly propose an alliance with Mexico. So if Germany won the war, Mexico would get back Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona, the land that they viewed as stolen. Uh, Japan would be invited into an anti-U.S. alliance. Um, Americans, especially Westerners, are going to be outraged at this note. The German U-boats are going to sink four unarmed U.S. merchant ships in March of 1917. And then April 2nd of 1917, Wilson is going to ask Congress for a declaration of war. So you can see how this kind of just kept building up, kind of compounding. April 6th. Uh, America declared war on Germany, and then there's going to be five reasons why Wilson is going to ask for this declaration. The most important is that unrestricted submarine warfare, the U.S. was unable to protect its ships, and it sought to preserve trade to these allied markets. Then you had the Zimmerman note. Also, there was a Rus Russian revolution in March of 1917. This is going to create a more acceptable Russian democracy than a Tsarist re regime that, you know, as an ally, because we were kind of, you know, really against that. Uh, the U.S. could in the war quickly and ensured a, itself a major role in the ensuing peace and finally a more reason because you had German uh, mass killing of civilians. Right, so Wilsonian idealism. Now Wilson is going to abandon the U.S. policy of isolationism, obviously. Now for over a century since the days of Washington, the U.S. had a tradition of isolationism, um, you know, when it came to Europe. Wilson is going to seek to instill idealism to inspire Americans to fight. Now, he's got two goals, make the world safer for democracy and a war to end war. Uh, Wilson's con Wilson is going to contrast the, the seemingly selfish war aims of the Europeans with what he considered to be American altruism. The U.S. would not fight for profit or territorial conquest, and Wilson sought to shape an international order in which democracy would flourish without the fear of autocracy and militarism. He genuinely believed in the U.S. as a world model. Now, the result would be that Wilson would persuade Americans to support the war. Now, he had what he called his 14 points. He's going to deliver these points uh, to Congress in January of 1918, and this would this would make him the moral leader of the Allied cause, and it would inspire the embattled allies to push harder in the war. It's also going to demoralize the enemy governments by issuing promises to their dissatisfied minorities. Now, it's eventually going to convince Germany to end the war, as they believe Germany would be treated fairly in the post-war peace process. Now, the provisions that went into this. So, he wanted the abolishment of uh, secret treaties, freedom of the seas. He wanted to remove the economic barriers, so he wanted free trade. He wanted a reduction of armament burdens. 
there would be an adjustment of the colonial claims in the interests of both native peoples and the colonizers. And this is going to please these anti-imperialist groups. There's going to be promises of independence or self-determination to the oppressed minority groups like the Poles and the Czechs. And there's going to be millions of these that live in Germany and Austria-Hungary. And his 14th point is going to be an incre a creation of an international organization to provide collective security. And this is going to foreshadow the League of Nations after World War I. He's also hoping it would guarantee uh, political independence and territorial integrity of all countries, both large and small. Now, as we mobilized, you had the Creel Committee, C-R-E-E-L, this is going to be a Committee of Public Information, CPI. The Committee on Public Information was created to sell Americans on the war and to sell the world on Wilsonian war aims through propaganda. Now, it's going to be headed by George Creel, hence the name, who is a uh, young journalist. It's going to establish voluntary censorship of the press as well. It's also going to employ about 150,000 workers at both uh, home and overseas. And he's going to send out 75,000 what was considered four-minute men to, live, to deliver speeches. And this is going to include movie stars. There's going to be a lot of propaganda posters, leaflets, and pamphlets, and a lot of anti-German movies. And it's going to set up volunteer liberty leagues in every community and will urge its members to spy on neighbors, especially those who with, you know, foreign names, and to report any suspicious works or actions to what was the Justice Department. Uh, Creel is going to typify the American world mo war mobilization, which is going to rely more on, like, the passions and the voluntary compliance than on actual formal laws. But the liability is it's going to oversell Wilsonian ideals and it's going to lead the world to expect too much. Now, there's going to be restrictions on civil liberties during World War One. The U.S. is going to see the most serious attacks on civil liberties since the Civil War. You have anti-German hysteria that's going to sweep the U.S., largely due to the Creel Committee propaganda and the uh, Food Administration and Liberty Loan Drives. There's going to be rampant rumors of spying and sabotage. There's going to be a few German-Americans who were tarred, feathered, and beaten. And there's going to be at least one lynching. Orchestras are going to find it unsafe to play like Wagner or Beethoven. Teachings of German language is going to be discontinued in a lot of high schools and colleges. And in the end, Germans proved to be loyal Americans, even though, you know, they were being super picked on. All right, the Espionage Act. So we've got the Espionage Act. Espionage Act of 1917 and the Sedition Act of 1918. So espionage is going to provide fines and imprisonment for people making false statements, aiding the enemy, inciting rebellion in the military, and obstructing draft recruitments. Uh, Wilson also wanted board presidential censorship powers, but Congress refused that one. For sedition, this is going to reflect the fears about the Germans and the anti-war Americans. It's going to forbid any criticism of the government, the flag, or the uniform, even if it's insignificant. And it's going to expand the male exclusion. It's going to lead to about 1,900 prosecutions. The anti-war socialists and members of the Radical Union, the Industrial Workers of the World, the IWW, were especially targeted. Eugene Debs was convicted under the Espionage Act in 1918 and can be sentenced to 10 years in a federal penitentiary. His speech to the Socialist Party Convention was critical of the U.S. policy in entering the war, and it warned of the dangers of militarism. He's going to end up being pardoned by President Harding in 1921. Uh, William D. Big Bill Hayward and about 99 other wobblies from the IWW were also convicted. 
Schneck versus the U.S. in 1919. It's going to uphold the constitutionality of the Espionage Act. Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. is going to state that Congress could limit free speech when words represented what was considered to be a clear and present danger that would bring about the evils that Congress had the right to prevent. So basically, it's the whole idea a person could not cry fire in an empty theater in order to, you know, incite a riot or a rush or whatever. Uh, Holmes is going to recognize the importance of protecting the principle of free thought, not free thought for those who agree with us, but freedom of the thought that we hate. Eventually, the decision became a landmark case for freedom of the press. <clears throat> There's going to be mild press censorship that will ensue while some papers like the masses and appeal to reason were denied mailing privileges. World War I constituted an ugly chapter in the history of U.S. civil liberty. After the war, presidential pardons were freely granted. Some victims stayed in jail until the 1930s. In 1920, Wilson vetoed a bill to abolish the Espionage and Sedition Acts. This is going to be largely due to the communist witch hunt of 1919 and 1920, and Wilson was one of the most nativist presidents in U.S. history. Now, some of these mobilizing factors, the U.S. economy was initially not geared for war. We weren't ready. Wilson belatedly backed mild pre uh, preparedness measures beginning in 1915. So there's going to be a shipbuilding program that's going to be launched. Now, this is supposed to be more for trade than for war. And he's going to beef up the Army, which only had about 100,000 regulars. And we were ranked 15 in the world before mobilization. Now, ignorance regarding war preparedness was a major obstacle for the U.S. No one knew how much steel or explosive powder uh, that we could produce, and the traditional fears of big government hurt efforts to centralize the economy. States' rights, Democrats, and businessmen were particularly opposed. The War Industrious, industri uh, sorry, World Industries Board, the WIB, now it's going to be formed by Wilson late in the war after significant political battles with Congress. Now it was a response to the lack of centralized control due to political opposition. The U.S. military refused to cooperate with the civilian agency in purchasing supplies. The domestic war effort almost collapsed in 1917, and Wilson responded by taking firmer control through his emergency war powers. The WIB sought to control rare materials, production, prices, and labor relations. They also never really had any much, you know, that much power. It's going to disband within days after the armistice in late 1918. Most of the heavy equipment and munitions used by the U.S. were made by Britain or France, and the U.S. business desire for that laissez-faire, that free trade, and for a weak central government limited the power of the WIB. Democratic Party losses in the 1918 congressional elections forced Wilson to abandon any plans for reconstruction or ordered demobilization. But the WIB is still going to set a precedent for future government or you know government and industry cooperation in the 1920s and the New Deal agencies of the 1930s. <clears throat> Now, there's going to be a lot of encouragement for the workers of the war effort. So the slogan was, Labor Will Win the War. A work or fight rule was issued by the War Department in 1918 requiring able-bodied men to be regularly employed in some useful occupation or be drafted. Women were encouraged to enter industry and agriculture culture where they were called, called farmerettes. Farmerettes. Uh, women's contributions promoted Wilson to endorse female suffrage as a, vi a vitally necessary war measure. Over a million women shifted from home to industry, and they worked in munitions plants. They ran elevators and delivered messages. Many women worked because inflation had reduced their husband's earnings, and demobilization after the war meant that 
by 1920, fewer women worked for wages than in 1910. The 19th Amendment was passed in 1920. All right, the Great Migration. Now, there's going to be thousands of African Americans in the South that will migrate north to work in war-related factories. There were more. Uh, there's going to end up being more Southern whites that will migrate north than African Americans. Though, there's going to be a significant socio sociological uh, significance. There's going to be race riots that will occur in 26 cities. W. D. Du Bois will support the war effort, believing that a victory would improve life for blacks in a democracy. The Mexican-American workers also replaced white workers who were now on the front line fighting the war. There's going to be several grievances of labor. World War I inflation had eroded wages, so inflation had doubled since 1914. About 6,000 strikes occurred during the war, and many of these will be by the IWW. The National War Labor Board was created to oversee labor disputes, so former President Taft was a co-chairman. It was established as a Supreme Court for labor disputes. And it presided over a thousand cases. It essentially prohibited strikes, but encouraged progressive reforms like higher wages, an eight-hour workday, and unionization. Samuel Gomp Gompers, who was the head of the American Federation of Labor, or the AFL, and a uh, board member, gave loyal support to the war effort, promising to prevent strikes during the war. Now, the significance is that recognized workers' right to unionize seen as revolutionary. <clears throat> the union members increased from 2.5 million in 16 to 4 million in 19. The left wing IWW, popularly known as the Wobblies, is going to use labor sabotage. This is going to include those 6,000 strikes in order to undermine the war effort. Many were transient laborers in food, so like fruit or labor industries, and were victims of the worst working conditions in the country. Many of the Wobblies were arrested, beaten up, or they were ran out of town. Right, the war economy. Herbert Hoover and the Food Administration. Now, he was a Quaker humanitarianism, very popular for leading a massive charitable drive to feed the starving people of war-torn Belgium. He preferred voluntary compliance rather than formal law, so he's going to reject issuing ration cards, which was a practice that was used in Europe. He used propaganda with posters, billboards, uh, newspapers, public speakers, etc. to gain support. So he's going to Proclaimed those wheatless Wednesdays and meatless Tuesdays on a voluntary basis. He also, you know, advocated for those prop or these victory gardens. He to pop up in you know backyards and in vacant lots. He fixed high prices to encourage the production of wheat, pork, etc. <clears throat> Basically, all those things that people need. Congress is going to severely restrict the use of foodstuffs for manufacturing alcohol beverages. A spirit of self-denial further inspired a new wave of prohibition. Uh, many of the leading brewers were of German descent, which made this drive even more popular among the WASPs, or the WASP group. The 18th Amendment was passed in 1919. This prohibited the sale, the transportation, the manufacture, and the consumption of alcohol unless it was used for uh, medicinal, industrial, or religious purposes. Now, the results... The farm production is going to increase by 25%. Food exports to the Allies will triple in volume. Hoover's methods were limited, or intent, sorry. Hoover's methods were imitated in these other war agencies. So you'd have like heatless Monday, lightless Tuesday, gasless Sunday. So you've got foods that are going to be taken out, you know, certain days. And then maybe, you know, don't use your gas that day or, you know, use very little power, you know, et cetera, to kind of be able to hang on to these things. 
Uh, the bond drives are these liberty loans. There's going to be parades and slogans that are going to be used to promote four great liberty loan drives that are going to be followed by a victory loan campaign in 1919. Each drive was oversubscribed, so the increased money supply caused terrible inflation. As in the Civil War, the government partially financed the war with inflation. Coercion was used on German-Americans to buy liberty bonds. All right, government enforcement. The government is going to take over the nation's railroads following a horrible traffic problem in the late 1917. The federal government is going to pay owners rent, and over $5 million was spent to improve the railroads. The U.S. seized enemy merchant vessels that were going to be tra that are trapped in the American harbors, and they're going to organize a gigantic drive to construct new merchant ships. The shipbuilding program was too late to make a substantial impact on the war, however. Uh, over half of the U.S. troops were transported to Europe on foreign ships, and major U.S. contributions to the war effort were soldiers, food, and money. Now, as we mobilized our army, so April and May of 1917, the Allies claimed that they were running out of manpower and that the Western Front would collapse. So the Americans hoped the Navy would do most of the fighting and that loans and war materials would be primary, like our primary uh, contribution. The Selective Service Act was passed in May of 1917. Wilson proposed universal mail conscription to raise an army. The proposed bill ran into a lot of criticism in Congress. Now, it required registration of all men ages 18 through 45, and men could not purchase exemptions or hire a substitute. But many exemptions existed for men in key industries like shipbuilding. Now, conscription will prove effective. Within months, the Army is going to increase from about 200,000 to over 4 million. 400,000 blacks were drafted or enlisted, but they were in segregated units. For the first time, women were admitted to the armed forces. There's going to be 11,000 to the Navy and 269 to the Marine Corps. No bloodshed occurred as a result of the draft. Yet, there's going to be 337,000 what were considered slackers who would escape the draft, and about 4,000 were excused. Many were conscientious objectors. Uh, 10,000 were prosecuted by 1919. The American Doughboys in World War I. So the war at sea. In 1917, Germany sank 6.5 million tons of Allied and U.S. shipping. Only 2.5 million tons were built in the meantime. The U.S. began a convoy system in 1917. Britain's Navy gave protection, but there's going to be U.S. or there's going to be uh, losses from U-boats, but it will fall dramatically. The communist Russia's quick withdrawal from the war is going to ease Germany, the Germans' eastern front. Germany quickly redeployed its divisions to the front in France, where for the first time they enjoyed superiority in numbers. Germany incorrectly calculated the U.S. would be too late in coming into war to help the Allies on the western front. Now, the, the western front in France of 1918, so the spring, Germany is going to launch a massive offensive on the western front, threatening to overrun the Allied forces. The American Expeditionary Force, or the AEF, was composed of soldiers and Marines sent to France under General Pershing. The small initial force is going to increase to over 2 million by November of 1918. The first U.S. trainees were used as replacements in Allied armies and were initially deployed in quiet sectors with the, uh, the British and French. My uh, my aunt's father was in the AEF. I actually have a handkerchief from when he was there. Anyway, some Americans were going to fight in small detachments in Belgium and Italy. Now, late of May of 1918, Germany came within 40 miles of Paris. Now, there's going to be 30,000 U.S. troops were thrown into the beach of Chateau Terry in uh, the heart of the German advance. That may not be Terry. It may be Terry. It's French. Anyway. 
It's T-H-I-E-R-R-Y. This is going to represent the first significant engagement of U.S. troops in a European war. Now, by July, Germany's drive was spent, and U.S. forces participated in the French counteroffensive in the Second Battle of the Marne. It's going to represent the beginning of Germany's withdrawal from France. September of 1918, there's going to be nine U.S. divisions joining four French divisions to push the Germans from uh, saint mille saint a major German stronghold in France, and that's M-I-H-I-E-L. There's going to be 15,000 Germans are going to be captured, and it's going to set the stage for an Allied offensive. Now, General John J. Blackjack Pershing, he's going to lead a separate U.S. Army. Americans have been dissatisfied with merely bolstering British and French forces and demanded a separate army. The U.S. Army was assigned a front of 85 miles, stretching northwestward north from Switzerland. Pershing's army is going to undertook the Maus Argonne, Argonne offense, and that's M-E-U-S-E, and then Argonne, A-R-G-O-N-N-E offensive from September to November of 1918. This is going to be the last major Allied uh, attack, and it's going to involve millions of men. And it's also going to result in a major German defeat. It was one of the largest battles at this point in U.S. history, and it's going to last 47 days and engage one and a, or 1.2 million American soldiers with about 10% casualties. All right, so here we are at the end. Germany was suffering from desertion of its allies. The British blockade is going to cause critical food shortages and, and allied assaults. <clears throat> Germany surrendered, and this was, this, insp- well, this was going to be inspired by Wilson's 14 points. The German generals warned their government of imminent defeat, and the German government is going to try to uh, turn toward the moderate Wilson on October 3rd of 1918, seeking a peace based on his 14 points. Uh, he will demand the Kaiser's removal before an armistice could be ne- uh, negotiated, and the Kaiser will comply. On November 11th of 1918, Germany is going to lay down his arms. Now, let's get on with the some segregation and casualties. So, segregation. Start off with that in the American Army. Uh, blacks were initially divided on whether or not to support. Uh, Dubois is going to issue an editorial on the crisis for blacks to support the war. Uh, most did labor duty. Uh, 400,000 black troops were excluded from the Paris Victory Parade, even though, you know, they were part of it. Uh, black and brown colonial troops who fought for Britain and France were allowed, even though we did not allow ours. Black soldiers later lamented that they had been treated with dignity but the European, by the Europeans, but not by the Americans back home. And this experience is going to increase the number of young African Americans who demanded equal rights. Okay, so the casualties. America lost over 112,000 men total, 48,000 battle, uh, battle deaths, 62,000 from, from disease, and around 230,000 are going to be wounded. It's going to be about 10 million soldiers die on all sides. 20 million civilian casualties. Uh, most of these are going to come from the Russian Revolution. There's going to be a lot that will die because of the influenza epidemic. And over a million Armenians will die in a genocide at the hands of the Turks. Around 750,000 German civilians will starve due to the Allied blockade. So see, it's not just the people that are in the war that suffer. Alright, Wilson is going to... Uh, lose Congress. Wilson's post-war popularity in the world was unprecedented. The president was seen as a savior by millions in Europe. 
yet the Republicans are going to win the congressional elections of 1918. Wilson is going to break the bipartisan truce held during the war to appeal for Democratic victory in the 1918 congressional elections. The move is going to backfire, and Republicans are going to regain their majority in Congress. Wilson's clout was reduced when negotiating an end to the war in Paris. Uh, he's going to infuriate Republicans by personally going to the Paris Peace Conference in December of 1918. So, no U.S. president had traveled to, U to Europe before. <clears throat> Republican senators were excluded from the peace delegation. So, the Paris Peace Conference uh, began in January of 1919. So, you had the big four. So, you had Wilson for the United States, David Lord Lloyd George of Britain, uh, Giorgio Clemenceau of France, and Vitrio Orlando of Italy. Now, these four nations are going to control the conference. Each had their own agenda, obviously. The delegates did not embrace those 14, to point, 14 points despite Wilson's enormous popularity in Europe. He's going to call for reducing imperialism. France and Britain will disagree. Uh, The delegates, knew the delegates knew the Allied masses sought punishment for Germany, and Wilson was alone in demanding fair treatment. Now, meanwhile, Europe seemed to be slipping into anarchy with communism threatening several countries, and this is going to include Germany. Wilson's most important goal for, for these 14 points was that creation of a League of Nations. He was forced to comprise on... Uh, compromise on self-determination for the Central Powers colonies. So there's going to be some mandates. The Allies would not receive these colonies outright, but only as trustees of the League of Nations. The so solution was little more than the old pre-war colonialism. Europeans supported the League Covenant, the Constitution for the League of Nations. There's going to be collective uh, security with its chief aim to call on all members to protect the territorial integrity and the political independence of all other members. Article 10 of the Versailles Treaty will create this League of Nations. This is going to all be part of that covenant. All right, so the League would have five permanent members, the U.S., France, Britain, Italy, and Japan. It's going to be 42 allied and neutral countries would meet in a general assembly, but Germany and Russia will be excluded from these talks. All right, the Versailles Treaty. <clears throat> Article 231, the War Guilt Clause. It placed sole blame for World War I on Germany. And Ger Germany was ordered to pay reparations to the Allies, totaling $31 billion over 30 years. That's a whole lot of money. But I digress. Uh, Germany was forced to accept severe military restrictions and a loss of territory. Self-determination was granted to the new nations of Poland, Finland, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. Self-determination, however, failed in Africa and in India, which were still under, for the most part, Britain. The treaty faced significant opposition in the U.S. Republicans are going to be led by Henry Cabot Lodge, who threatened to kill the treaty if Wilson did not provide provisions for preserving the Monroe Doctrine and providing a means for the U.S. to leave the League if it so desired. The Irreconcilables. So these are the Republicans who oppose the League in any form. This is going to include Hiram Johnson of California and William Bora of India, India, Idaho, sorry, had India on the brain, who were both isolationists. Uh, France and Britain at Versailles were now in a stronger bargaining position in light of Republican opposition to Wilson. So, yeah. All right. Contrary to Wilson's wishes, the delegates at Versailles will separate the League of Nations from the actual treaty due to a growing unrest in Europe. And there's going to be those, you know, 
certain colonial regions will have the same issue. The final signing ceremony was held in the Hall of Mirrors at Versailles on June 28th of 1919. Germany had agreed to an armistice for a peace based on the 14 points, but uh, now it was forced to sign a treaty containing only about four of the original 14 points, and Germans are going to believe that they'd been stabbed in the back. Uh, Wilson had been forced to compromise away some of his less cherished 14 points in order to get the League of Nations approved. There's going to be a majority of Americans initially will favor the Versailles Treaty with the League of Nations. Uh, some Republicans remained opposed to the treaty. Senator Lodge which wished to amend the treaty but had no real hope of defeating it, and the treaty got bogged down in the Senate. Now, in the fall of 1919, Wilson will take a speaking tour. He's going to fear any Republican modifications to the treaty would encourage Europeans to also make modifications and amend the League out of existence. Wilson decided to appeal over the heads of the Senate to people by going on a grueling speech-making tour. Now, physicians and friends advised Wilson against it as his health was in question, but he believed correctly that the public favored the treaty, but he miscalculated the public's interest in a treaty without modifications. The irreconcilable senators Bora and Johnson followed him to each city a few days later with the Republican view. They opposed the treaty in any form. Wilson collapsed in Pueblo, Colorado on September 25th, 1919. Several days later, uh, he will have a stroke and this will paralyze one side of his body. He would not be able to meet his cabinet for nearly eight months due to this. Okay, Lodge reservations. Lodge was unable to amend the treaty outright, so he wrote 14 formal reservations to it. They reserved rights to the U.S. under the Monroe Doctrine and the Constitution and otherwise sought to protect American sovereignty. They focused on Article 10 of the League as it morally bound the U.S. to aid any member who was attacked, and Congress is going to seek to reserve war-declaring powers for itself. Wilson is going to reject the Lodge reservations as they weaken the entire treaty, and he'll order Democrats to vote against the treaty uh, with the Lodge reservations attached. He hoped that then when they were cleared, the path would be open for ratification without reservations or with only mild Democratic reservations. In November of 1919, the loyal Democrats in the Senate, along with the irre uh, Irreconcilables, are going to reject the treaty with the Lodge reservations. Uh, a pit. <clears throat> Sorry, 55 to 39. <clears throat> Ironically, 80% of the Senators favored the treaty with or without reservations. Wilson is going to again urge the treaty to be defeated a second time in 1920, and Wilson's scheme was to make the presidential election of 1920 a solemn referendum on the treaty. Many of the many um, historians actually believe that Wilson's ill health made him intransient. Uh, Democrats lost the presidential election in 1920, and the League was never ratified. There's going to be a separate peace with Germany that was ratified on July 25th of 1921. Now, the international results, the long-term international assaults. Uh, results. <clears throat> the U.S. became the world's economic and political leader. Uh, the Russian Revolution is going to create the first, the world's first communist country, which, <clears throat> which exerted a tremendous impact on world politics until 1991. Britain, France, Austria, and Turkey went into various states of decline. Germany was devastated by the Versailles Treaty, and the German anger is going to lead to the eventual rise of Adolf Hitler and World War II. Now, the political aftermath in the U.S., you have the War Industries Board. It's going to be dismantled. The S. Cummins Transportation Act of 1920, this is where the federal government will return the railroads to their owners in 1920 and even encourage the railroad industry to consolidate, even though, you know, we just 
been trying to get away from trusted monopolies, but here we are. The Interstate Commerce Commission is now geared to guarantee the profitability of the railroad industry. And then some progressive reformers had hoped the railroads would remain nationalized, which is an old populist idea. We also had the race riots over the red summer of 1919. This is going to be spurred by the uh, black migration to northern cities during the war. So you had the Chicago race riots of 1919. This led 23 blacks and 15 whites dead, about 500 wounded. And a thousand families ended up being homeless. There's going to be major riots that will also occur in Knoxville, Omaha, uh, sorry, Omaha, Washington, and several other cities. The Red Scare in late 1919 and 1920 was aimed against radicals and labor unions. In the election of 1920, the Republicans nominated Warren Harding of Ohio, and the platform was ambiguous on the League of Nations. Harding basically spoke to returning American to normalcy. The Democrats nominated James Cox of Ohio, and he strongly supported the League of Nations. His running mate was Assistant Navy Secretary Franklin D. Roosevelt. <coughs> Harding easily defeated Cox. Uh, over 400 to about 130 in the Electoral College. The first election w with full suffrage for women in a national election. The end of progressivism. Uh, the public desired a move away from idealism, moral overstrain, and self-sacrifice. Isolationists turned the results into a death sentence for the League of Nations. Later, the U.S. would bear part of the blame for World War II as it undercut the League of Nations by refusing to join it. The Secretary Tr Sec er, Security Treaty with France was also rejected by Senate. France then undertook to build a powerful military in the face of the increased German power and the lack of U.S. support. Germany, fearing France's buildup, embarked on an even more uh, vigorous rearmament program under Hitler. The U.S. then, you know, we missed an opportunity to merge as a world leader and to shape world events for the benefit of peace. Two major causes of the failure of the peace after World War One was, one, the Great Depression, you know, this is like the precipitating cause, and war psychosis, or that's what Wilson and others called it. So the <clears throat> hatred raised up in Europe by a war that lasted so long that Europe's leaders lost all perspective. Now, the impact on American society. So we'll start with women. They played an increased war in the economy and volunteerism for the war effort. Some of them worked in factories and in farms. Suffrage was achieved via the 19th Amendment in 1920. We had the Prohibition of Alcohol, which was the 18th Amendment in 1919. The Great Migration of American uh, African Americans to the North which will lead to large-scale race riots, especially in 1919, the Red Summer. You had increased nativism. There's going to be several immigration laws that were eventually passed in 1921 and 24. Civil liberties were suspended during the war, like the Espionage Act. There's going to be thousands of strikes that will occur. Uh, the Red Scare of 1919 and the anti-communist crusade. There's going to be millions of men that will leave home to fight the war in Europe. Volunteerism and patriotism will go up during the war. Uh, the U.S. will return to isolationism directly after the war. In the election of 1920, is going to this is going to end eight years of Democratic Party rule and ended 20 years of progressive reform. And then you had a huge amount of economic growth. All right, so your terms to know are not nearly as extensive as progressives. So those will be up later today.